Hear it first on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. One of the things that we discovered over the years is that uh, the church was doing something quite different than what the church is doing today. We tried uh, to discover exactly what was going on with that early church over the last 30 years. Studied everything from Greek to, to Hebrew. Uh, found some very interesting discoveries concerning Hebrew. Uh, this was corroborated by our studies of the uh, people living at the time of Christ. Uh, groups like the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's over 900 Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, many of those things were brought to light in the last 50 years. And they weren't even discovered until almost uh, a little over 50 years ago, and then they were kept secret from academia for quite some time. They, uh, there was a concerted effort to actually keep people from seeing these 900-some-odd scrolls from Cave 1, 2, 3, and 4 that were uncovered. Now, evidently what had happened was there was a religious community. They're still kind of confusing about who that religious community was. They refer to them as the Essenes. Of course, they, the Essenes never referred to themselves really as Essenes. That's the way other people talked about them. Kind of like Christians. Christians didn't necessarily call themselves Christians originally. They, most of them thought of themselves as Jews because most of the Christians were Jews. Thousands uh, were uh, baptized by the baptism of Christ and cast out of the system of Herod. Uh, that had been set up and run mostly by the Pharisees for a number of years uh, before Christ. And they were in a new system. The apostles were literally ambassadors to the kingdom of God, uh, the kingdom preached by Christ, the kingdom that served God rather than men by serving one another through faith, hope, and charity, through a system of sacrifice, Corbin, that's what Corbin means, that did not make the word of God to none effect. And it was based on free will offering. So you literally had a nation, princes, uh, ambassadors of a nation, that simply did not exercise authority one over the other. I was in a group of, of pastors meeting recently, and I quoted again that uh, verse that you see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about uh, you have seen the princes of the Gentiles and uh, who exercise authority one over the other. They call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. 
It doesn't have to be that way with you. And I made reference to that, and one of the pastors kind of leans back and smiles. Uh, because I, I keep going back to that. And I said, you know, I don't apologize for going back to that. There's not very many places in the New Testament where you see Jesus or hear Jesus stating specific instructions as to what to do and not do. I mean, obviously, he said, swear not. But yet, all Christians today, they'll raise their right hand at the drop of a hat and swear. And they think that they're supposed to, that, that somehow swear not doesn't mean swear not. But they'll create all kinds of convoluted uh, doctrines and philosophies based on some vague statement uh, that was clearly associated with the generality of prophecy or j just a generality altogether. And yet when he makes direct instructional statements, they completely ignore them. And if you bring them up, they, they say, oh, well, yeah, that one quote. Yeah, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It actually is in conformity with what the Bible was from the very beginning, talking about governments where men did not exercise authority one over the other, and your neighbor in congregation was the benefactor of your life because he chose to contribute to your welfare. And David, way back then in the Old Testament, says that uh, what should have been for your welfare has become a snare because you have gone to the government and asked for benefits, the same government that exercises authority over your neighbor and forces the contributions of the people. When Saul did that, he was called foolish. When governments do it today, they say, well, that's the way it is. Well, it is the way it is, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's why Paul quotes David in the New Testament. The message is the same. The kingdom of heaven is not established by force. Men do not force their way into the kingdom of heaven by establishing a utopia, by forcing their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. We see a great deal of that coming up in the world today. Now that we already have health care, uh, forced health care in places like Canada and England, and although I heard a, a doctor just the other day say, well, it's working pretty good for the Canadians. Well, actually, that's not the reports I'm getting. It's not working that good for a lot of Canadians. Sure, some will be happy and tickled with it because it worked for them, but others are, are, are not getting access to medical care. They're getting light access to medical care. They're getting inadequate access to medical care, which is why many Canadians come across the border to get medical care. But it's only those who can afford it. Those who can't afford it are still going without. Yes, 32 million people are going to enter into the uh, medical industry uh, mainstream because of new bills that were passed in the United States. That's going to create a burden already have heard of doctors talking about resigning and quitting the medicine field because of these new bills that are coming down. The brave new world of socialism is is got a a firm grip in America. America is changing. And Americans will be changed by that. They've already been changed by that because we've had socialism in this country for over a hundred years. Public school is a socialist program. And our thinking is changed by that system. 
of public school where you can force your neighbor to pay for your child's education. That is contrary to the teachings of Christ because the people who provide that education are men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. That's in direct contradiction to what Christ said, to what Moses said, to what Abraham said. They operated systems by free will offerings. We are so far from that. Can we get back? That is the mission of the church because unless we can take back our responsibility to each other and become both dependent and independent at the same time. In other words, we're dependent upon one another, but through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. And therefore, we remain independent. Each of us gets to choose how we will be taxed in the kingdom on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis because we tax ourselves. In order to do that efficiently as a community, you must gather together in groups, congregations, we call them. And the congregations are, generally speaking, 10 people. There's a home church movement that they go from 6 to 12 families. They start one six. Six group, uh, uh, you know, is, is a congregation. We only require three. When they get to 12, they break off and become six again before they become 13. And it's growing rapidly. We're not growing as rapidly because we had some extra elements. But uh, we're looking for quality. And we're not well known. Uh, we're we're recently had an article on News of Views. It was uh, linked to it was published uh, by Steve Hill, I guess, and other people. A few people are energetically working on getting the, this word out. But it is so distinctively different from what we are commonly hearing in churches. It's hard for people to grasp exactly this whole message of the gospel of the kingdom. (coughs) The message is really very uh, clear, very keen idea, very uh, life-changing, but the world is headed for changes. We've been promised change. We're going to get change, quite a bit of change. And we need to change, or we will be changed by those changes. We need to look at things completely different, and that's what Christ was doing. This is why Christ was not well accepted in Israel. Thousands did accept him for those people who say, oh, they didn't accept Christ. Yes, they did accept Christ, but not everybody accepted Christ. You can accept Christ in, in 30 A.D., you could accept Christ in 300 A.D., you could accept Christ in uh, 2000 A.D. But just saying you accept Christ, that you believe in Christ, that was another thing, one of the other pastors, when I talked about the fact that I'm not sure that you can be a socialist and a Christian, he somewhat agreed, but then he uh, kind of put his foot on, the, on one base by saying uh, But those who love the Lord, you know, we have to take account for those. Well, if you love socialism, can you love the Lord? If you love the idea of hiring men to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, can you really say that you love Christ? You may love 
the idea of saying that you love Christ. But Jesus said not those who say, Lord, Lord, or I love you, Christ, or I, I accept Jesus, but those who do it the will of the Father. And it is not the will of the Father that you force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. It is the will of the Father that you love your neighbor as yourself so that you should contribute to the welfare of your neighbor. But you should not force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Now that is the job of the church to make that possible. It's one of the jobs. Preach the gospel of that system. Uh, faith, hope, and charity is a part of the church as well. But to actually facilitate, because the word preach actually means to publish. And so we have published our view of what the church should be doing. And one of the things that we published, and we talked about it last week, uh, was the guidelines of his church, altars and auxiliaries. The church is an altar. The church is made up of living stones uh, upon which you can place your sacrifice for the purpose of loving your neighbor as yourself and caring for the needs of your neighbor and evangelizing the gospel and doing what the altars of the stone, uh, altars of God, should do. See, there were altars of earth and altars of stone. The altars of earth is you and every family and congregation together, piling themselves together in a congregation to make choices, but not losing their right to make choices in any way, shape, or form. They are completely unincorporated. They are not even an unincorporated association. And the reason they are not an unincorporated association is when they give upon the altars of stone another group of people, they give entirely. They cast their bread upon the waters. They have no fish hook in it. They have no control over it. They give it away. Very simple concept, but very much opposed to what a lot of people would are willing to do. When you give, you give entirely. You let go. Most churches or many churches today, they want to give and then get on the board and control the money. That is, cannot be. You, you may have a board, but that board is for some other reason, not to control the offering. You just told everybody you gave away. You give to the man you trust. You pick an individual man and you give to that man. That is the stone upon which you lay your offering. And he shares with the other stones accordingly without being hewn, without being regulated. So we created the guidelines of his church to actually express this in legal terms today. And this is what we have published in the Free Church Report, which you can get online for free. You can actually download it for free. Uh, we have a number of books that you can download for free. Uh, I think there's uh, five altogether right now, full books. Uh, we're expanding the book Higher Liberty. Uh, hopefully we'll get that done in the next uh, few days and get that up uh, so that the expanded version is up there, the re-edited version. But you can only get that through the Living Network. You have to join the Living Network, Network and pick a contact minister. And very much like you do with the tens, hundreds, and thousands. But all he is is your contact on the network. Hopefully someday you will form a congregation of records using these guidelines and the administrative guidelines and form a, a more intense network that can help you in time of cataclysm and disaster and 
social and economic breakdowns, which we should have already had in place. And the local pastor meeting that we had was very well accepted by those who came. Uh, one fellow was injured and he, he was unable to make it, but um, they were actually, when I came back, I didn't spend all day there because I am kind of a dominant personality, so I, I, I come and drop my load and I, I go away. And the next day I came back and uh, they had over what they think they need to do because of the things that I said that convicted them. Uh, one of the things was the fact that there would not be millions and millions of home losses in the last uh, few years due to this economic crunch had the church been doing what the first century church was doing in Acts 6, which was actually forming a way in which to help one another, which is always the purpose of the church. And that would actually and I, and I have we have a great deal a lot of this is covered in higher liberty um, you know as far as the references both in Old and New Testament that when they were picking those seven they were literally starting an institution very similar to what we see today as a credit union yes a credit union and I'm not going to go into that right now but uh, I mean that seems outlandish that anybody would say that but uh, go read Higher Liberty and find out why I say that. But they were realizing that they could have avoided the millions and millions of home losses or the millions of home losses that took place in the United States during this last economic crunch and the more that to take place in them and the fortunes that were lost had we been gathering with the same intensity of the first century church. That could have all been avoided for Christians. Uh, very easily avoided. Absolutely, even right now, right now, if you were to come together, you could avoid that in the future. I spoke with somebody and I talked about this that was about to lose their home. Uh, if you, you had a credit union, a His Church credit union formed according to the guidelines that we see here in uh, the Free Church Report, you could avoid that foreclosure right now, right now. Absolutely. Uh, very simply, and come out way ahead. Um, we'll talk about that maybe if it comes up on our talk show immediately after the program, but you won't know where to go for the talk show if you're not on the Living Network. Everything's got to go through the network. My phone rings off the wall as it is today, um, uh, and I cannot answer everybody's question. you got to go through the network. We've got to diversify so that we form those local congregations so that they become real and they are connected with others through actual personal knowledge of each other. That's going to take a lot of work and there's very little time in which to do it. So last week we went over the guidelines uh, and we got through the first ten. His church is a sacred purpose trust. Uh, is an irrevocable ministerial charitable altar of Christ. So we're talking about that charity, freely given, completely given. Anything given to the church is completely given. That is very important to keep you away from being called an unassociated corporation. You don't want to be called that. That's a bad thing. That can be controlled by people outside of your community. Uh, the grantor of this sacred trust are the people. In other words, it's your responsibility to make a choice as to whether you want to contribute to that local congregation that you are coming together with. 
uh, ministers of the trust of his church are nominated by the representative members of the congregation. In other words, you have a congregation of families. Each family has a spokesman. Usually that's the husband. Could be the mother. She could be the spokesman for the family. Uh, maybe the husband has a problem. Uh, maybe he's in a coma. Does that mean the family loses representation in the congregation? No. But that representation is the way in which they present information about their family, their prayers, their hopes, their desires, their wishes, their contributions come through that representative member of that family. And how that family conducts its business is not my business. I mean, I would certainly help them, but I have no authority to exercise over them as a minister of that congregation because the people must remain free. It's a very simple concept. If, if anyone in the congregation can vote and alter your choices like a democracy, uh, you are diluted as a family. You are incorporated as a family. And some of your right to choose is gone. Absolutely not what we want to do. Yet we can have rules. And those rules will govern us. And uh, But they will only work in this case if we choose to make them work. If we choose not to make them work, then you don't. I guess you don't have any rules. You have no covenant. You have no... Uh, agreement but you just are on your own again and nobody's taken anything away from you you've decided to depart from the ways laid down in the rules and you have every right to do that but you have chosen to make yourself separate and a lot of people want to say oh we want to be a part of what you want to do and what you're talking about and what you've written down but we don't want to have any rules well, then you don't really want to be a part of what we're doing. You want to be separate, and that's your choice. And that's the amazing thing about these guidelines is they, they actually consist of rules that take nothing away from you. It's simply an avenue by which you can come together. It's simply a means by which you can act as one body. That you have said, okay, we're going to we're going to make this charge across the field, and we're going to do it all together, and we're going to do it in a single line, and we're going to put the spearmen here in the front, and we're going to put the swordsmen here, and the bowmen in the back. And everybody says, yeah, that's a great idea. And then when you start running across the field, everybody just goes and does their own thing. Well, then it wasn't a great idea, and they were lying to themselves and lying to others that they were, did not really want to come together and work together as a body. Uh, they decided, said it was a great idea, but they were just speaking. This is like many of the people who say they love Jesus, but they don't want to really do anything that he says, which is what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. They, they're in love with Jesus, but they want to be a part of the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. They're in love with Jesus, but they want to take oaths and uh, swear and affirm in order to get benefits at the expense of their neighbor through men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. It's a fraud. It's a fallacy. It's a lie. And we really don't want to be a part of that. So people, when they say they want to be a part of something, they really have to mean it. 
they have to really do it. And if they don't do it, then there seems to be some fruit lacking in what they are saying. So in item four, there was a protector. A sacred purpose trust are recognized by the grantors. In other words, why do you have this protector? This protector is a third-party witness that the other people are witnessing that this man is a minister. This is how we pick our ministers. Two or more people establish it as a matter of record by two or more people. And we'll go through all 20 of these when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly Father, grace, mercy, justice for all. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Have you seen Loose Change? The most popular documentary in the 911 Truth Movement. With the coming change in government, now is the time to push for justice and get this truth into the hands of millions of Americans. First Amendment Radio is offering both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice on DVD. We will ship two copies of both videos to you for 10 bucks cash. Yes, two copies, one for you and one for you to give away. You will see and hear Larry Silverstein admit that they decided to pull the building. 
Why are they not being pursued? The people must know. Justice must be had. The time is now. Two copies of both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice, for 10 bucks cash. No checks, please. To First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, California, 93274. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking about the guidelines of his church, which are created as a document to give credence, and that's an interesting word in itself, credence to the church. Uh, letters of credence are letters given usually to ambassadors to present to the world that they are ambassadors of a particular authority that comes from somewhere else outside of the country in which you are entering. And that's what a letter of credence is. It's giving credence to that ambassador. Now, he's an ambassador when he's back home. He's an ambassador when he was made an ambassador in his own country. But when he goes out in the world to give the word, the logos, to the world, he needs that letter of credence so that they will know where he is coming from and by what authority he is operating. So we make this paperwork. Now, I mentioned Logos. This is an article, uh, several articles we have that are going to appear in the next uh, version of Higher Liberty, which should knock your socks off. What is Logos? How was that word used back in the first, second, and third centuries? Um, we, yes, it means word, but it actually refers to a specific paper document that could be given by the church to an individual to keep him safe as he traveled through the world. And it was called a logos. Uh, we don't know our own history. We have been kept in the dark. The early church will have stuff in the higher liberty about that. Uh, how they had community rules. Yes, absolutely, community rules, rules of war even. Although they're poorly translated today, we actually, those documents came out of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which uh, many Jewish historians believe were Christian communities. Yeah, they didn't call themselves Christians, but that was a name placed on them way over in Antioch. These guys weren't in Antioch. These guys were in the first century hiding these scrolls because they knew the uh, Romans were going to take Jerusalem. And they uh, also, uh, one of these scrolls, uh, or actually I think a couple, um, uh, that evidently came from the same Qumran, the same community, was found at Masada. Uh, how did it get there? Why did it get there? <laughs> That's another whole story in itself. But we're going to go through these guidelines really quick so that you get an idea. Now, number one, the church is a sacred purpose trust. Yes, it's a trust. But it's not a trust subject to statute because it's subject to Christ. And it's subject to a foreign government that is created outside of the jurisdiction of the governments of the world. It's created by the king of a kingdom uh, who appointed ambassadors, princes, to uh, operate that kingdom. 
and that we call that the ecclesia or the church. This was the apostles, the little flock. So they're the ones who are in authority as long as they are present over this trust. Now, the way the trust is set up, you have grantors. That's you. You give to a particular minister. You do not give to a corporate body called the church. You give to a particular minister. You lay your offering on him. Uh, and he must do right by it, or you should not give him any more. But this is the guy who's going to help coordinate you with all the other people seeking the kingdom of God and work together. If he's not good at doing his job, get somebody else. And that's the way we operate in the Living Network. If someone becomes a contact minister for a few people and he's not doing a good job, the people should elect somebody else. Now, you don't elect, you can't elect a contact minister for your neighbor. You can only elect one for yourself because, again, it's not a democracy. So any two people get together and say, I want this guy as my contact minister, he's a contact minister. If you get 10 people, 10 families electing that one guy, great. If you get 20, they need two contact ministers because one guy can't keep track of 20 as well as he could keep track of 10. Just common sense. So you got grantors creating this trust by the giving of some offering or gift to that individual. Amount doesn't matter, should be a present value. The minister of the trust accepts that position, and he is uh, nominated by the uh, representative members of the congregation. So if it's two people, there you got two or more people gathered together, electing somebody they think is going to represent Christ in his actions and his words and his deeds. So there you have a congregation, but we also have a protector, someone outside that congregation who oversees it because it's a trust. Do you need that? Well, maybe you don't. But if you don't have a protector, some other government agency that has connection with anybody in your congregation may come in and say, we have a right to regulate this trust because we're normally the overseers of all trusts. So you have to have somebody representing Christ to overlook the Well, Christ didn't come to rule over you. He came to serve. And so that's what that protector must be. He must be someone there to serve, not for his own benefit, but for your benefit and the benefit of others seeking the kingdom. Beneficiaries of his church is Christ, because everything you give is as if you gave it to Christ. That's what makes it separate, and the fact that you give it entirely. Okay? Uh, his holy church has been appointed by the beneficiary to minister to his faithful. That's what Christ said. I appointed you a kingdom as my father appointed unto me. Not anything unusual. You have to decide who his holy church is. You know, it could be this guy over there or that guy over there. You've got to find out who that is and pick them at the beginning of this process. We do this all with one sheet of paper. Uh, and the paper, again, is the symbol that we offer as to give credence to what we say we are doing. But if we don't actually do what we say we're doing, then the paper is useless. And His Holy Church may receive, uh, consecrate, and equitably reconvert property on behalf of the beneficiary to the exclusive use of the and sanctification of the beneficiary as his Holy Church belongs to the beneficiary, and they hold all things in common. In other words, everything that is given belongs to Christ. Now, your protectors need to belong to Christ, too. 
they may have temporary agreements with the world, but they cannot have any of these irrevocable agreements that the world so commonly offers to people. They cannot be accepting benefits, especially monetary benefits, from the world. And we already see statutes coming down that is excluding those people, not exempting those people, if you organize those people according to the ways Christ said, which we go into in the Free Church Report. Uh, his church and sacred purpose trust is established at the moment that the property, tangible or intangible, is granted. And so that's when it begins. The paperwork is just simply the evidence. It's kind of like a marriage certificate. You get married because you agree to marry. Uh, you create a certificate that you agreed to get married, and then you go out and consummate the marriage. Uh, the purpose of uh, his church and sacred purpose trust is to receive the contributions of the congregation of the people and to reconvert their use to the beneficiary. Well, what's the beneficiary say? Feed my sheep. So that's, you know, we can't throw the money up to Christ, so the idea is to turn around and use that to provide for the sheep, which includes uh, creating retreat grounds, uh, includes uh, finding other people, other lost sheep, as a good shepherd goes out and finds those lost sheep, those who really would follow Christ if they ever heard the gospel. They're not hearing it in the regular churches. They're hearing some sort of Constantinian religious uh, mumbo-jumbo uh, that has confused the people. Now they'll hear bits and pieces of the message of the Christ, but we have to preach the whole gospel of Christ so that the people... Um, hear the whole message and can put on the whole armor of God. The early church allowed people to go through the absolute decline and fall of the Roman Empire and come out on top. Now the church is started by Constantine was doing something else. They continued to decay and they continued to have trouble, but the real church was the vast majority of those people following Christ who had nothing to do with Constantine. They wouldn't go to his meetings, they wouldn't go to his councils. Um, and the vast majority had nothing to do. First, first meeting, 319 bishops show up out of uh, at least 1,200. Uh, the next meeting, 150 show up. So he, he did not have a consensus. He was doing something completely different, and we go into that in the book, Thy Kingdom Come. So the, number 10, the minister of the trust may choose to reject a contribution for reasons including but not limited to the property is more li uh, a liability than a value, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of reasons, and we have rejected many uh, because we don't believe that the people giving them really understood. We have held off. Uh, receiving contributions we let the, you know somebody send us a check we let it sit for months before we were willing to cash it constantly in contact with them making sure this is really what they wanted to do now maybe they were just good at deceiving us and eventually we did cash that check um, but the reality is is that you know we're very cautious and everybody should be cautious about receiving contributions that are not freely given because everybody doesn't know their mind they don't always give what they, they uh, in, in a way that they should. But by the same token, we cannot reject true gifts that are given uh, in, and because we have an obligation to allow that charity to go forward. Uh, His church sacred purpose trust is not an investment trust. Its purposes is 
to serve rather than be served. This includes, but is not limited to, his church uh, does not uh, seek to collect interest, to engage in commercial enterprises, to obtain gain, uh, to uh, speculate value uh, fluctuations for a profit, nor to hoard a great treasure of wealth of the world, but rather to return every man to his possession, and shall return every man unto his family, for it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the trust is supposed to be not a huge uh, treasury uh, funds, but is supposed to be constantly flowing. What comes in goes back out to uh, help others. The treasure is in the pockets of the people. They hold the treasure. We are to enrich them. Now, just think about this. You, know, you have a minister of ten families. What he receives in payment will be based on the services that he gives. The one who decides that, that he is actually giving true service is the members of the congregation. He's not on a guaranteed salary. The more the families that he serves prospers, the more their children are intelligent, the more their, uh, their marriages stay together, the more uh, knowledge and skills that they learn, uh, the more equipped they are to deal with any catastrophe or agents of the world, um, the better off he is. So there's a built-in governor by the nature of the organization to make every family prosper. Now, in the world, the government is uh, operating completely different. Their interest is to fill out this form, uh, meet this criteria. Uh, I get a paycheck whether you like me or not. Um, you know, they, they don't have that personal motivation to take care of your needs and to make your family strong and healthy and wealthy and wise. And so that's very essential if you want a government to grow. And the ministers of the trust is not allowed to derive any personal benefit from the trust altar, but they may pay for general and specific expenses incurred in the performance of their duties from the general funds of the altar. Uh, how that telegraphs out may vary from minister to minister because of the nature of that ministry, and that we get into licensed, commissioned, and and ordained ministers. Now, life ordained to do a particular job, like I said, there's several, but when you meet the full criteria of Christ, uh, your relationship to that particular guideline changes. And we use the word guideline because these rules are not meant to take away your right to choose. They are meant to give you a right to choose and guide you into the direction of the kingdom without diluting your right to choose. You must cooperate with these guidelines by choice, but you need to see the principle and precepts which are based in these guidelines in order to understand exactly where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish, which is to seek that kingdom. These are guideposts along the way that if you step outside these guidelines, you may be headed into an area that is dangerous or quicksand or trouble. Uh, if you just disregard them altogether, you're not really going along with what we're, we're talking about here. And what we're trying to talk about is what Christ was talking about. Feeding the sheep, caring for one another, taking... How do we do that? What's the mechanism? 
You know, it, there's there's actual highways out there. You want to go down those highways to get to a particular location, you have to follow the path of that highway to get to where you're going. Don't just take off cross-country. Um, and then when you're on that road, you have to stay on the right side or you may hit other cars that are coming from the other direction. Uh, these are just basic concepts. Nobody... You, you can stop your car and get out anytime you want. You can turn this car around and go back the other way. Nobody is taking away your freedom, but we're, we have a plan that can take you towards a world in which you do live by the perfect law of liberty, and you get there by coming together and working together as a people. Uh, number 13, the grantors of his church sacred trust do not have control over the distributions of the funds. In other words, the, the people in the congregation can say, Here, here's a hundred bucks, and then come back to you the next day. Now I want you to take that hundred bucks and go give it to Joe. Well, wait a minute. What, am I just a mailman here, uh, or am I actually receiving something? So you create a trust when you, you drop a letter in a mailbox. But there are terms on that trust. This letter has to go to so-and-so. And if you can't get it to so-and-so, you have to return it back to this return address. Um, you know, you could actually... Uh, uh, you, you create a trust to almost anything you do. Uh, and, of course, that's exactly what God did when he said, here's the garden. Dress it and keep it. If you don't dress it and keep it, you lose it. Uh, you know, there was another rule. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat, eat of only of the tree of life. Uh, and people disregarded that rule, and they're out. And so there are, what we're doing is simply outlining the rules that laid down by Christ, by Moses, by uh, Abraham from the beginning, and we're putting it in a short 20-item guideline. But if you read the Thy Kingdom Come, if you read the Free Church Report, you see that we're simply trying to conform to what that early church was doing. And this is a way in which to create the, and give credence to what you're doing if you're really seeking the kingdom. It's amazing how many people say they're seeking the kingdom, and they're not really seeking the kingdom of God. They're seeking to get up on a pedestal and become preachers, or they're seeking... Uh, their own security or they're seeking uh, vain glories or whatever. I don't know what they're seeking, but I'm not interested in all that. I'm only interested in seeking what Christ said to seek. Number 14, the value of the property held by uh, his church altar are held in common to be used as needed for the benefit of Jesus Christ in the preservation and propagation of his doctrines and ordinances, including but not limited to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom on earth and the healing of those who have not, uh, who are not whole according to the perfect law of liberty. A lot of people have lost some of their rights. Uh, they have become bound up, and this is what we're talking about with his church credit union. They're bound up in mortgages. If you had a church credit union, you could alleviate that problem tremendously. You can't just make it go away, but you could certainly alleviate that problem. And you would have a mechanism whereby, uh, based on people coming together trying to help one another, where you can get more and more out of debt. And if there was a need to borrow uh, in a time of calamity, there would be a way to do so, and there'd be a way to also move contributions around that would be more controlled by 
people of like mind seeking the kingdom. Eventually, all such systems will collapse, but they are tools to get to a certain point in in uh, our status and and in the time in the world. It's part of that process. Um, uh, number uh, uh, 15, ministers of the trust shall make every reasonable effort to comply with those specific or general requests concerning the direction of contributions as long as they are in conformance with receiving, preserving, and propagating the doctrines and ordinances uh, of Christ. Uh, so, yeah, we listen, and you tell us where you want that money to go, but the minister must have the right to choose. Otherwise, you're an unincorporated association. And you put everybody at risk of that. You know, an unincorporated association, if somebody does something wrong, everybody in the congregation can be sued. If you don't have that severance by letting go completely, you're setting everybody up to dangers. Uh, you're dragging meat into the tent in grizzly bear country. Uh, you don't want to do that. Number 16, the ministers of the trust is to keep records and make those records available to all other ministers of the trust and the protector of the trust upon demand and shall inform the elders of the congregation uh, of the work he is doing in the distribution of funds and property upon request. That's right in the guidelines. It's repeated over and over again in the administrative guidelines. Um, or the administrative guidelines. A protector may terminate a minister of trust for breach of trust, refusing and failing to produce records in a timely fashion, moral turpitude, or any other reason in accordance with his God-given conscience and the doctrines of the beneficiary. He can terminate these uh, ministers. He doesn't actually go in and beat them up and arrest them and throw them into jail or any of those things. He simply says, we no longer, we withdraw our letters of credence. Uh, he is acting outside of the authority uh, that we have been given by Christ. He is publishing or not publishing the records uh, of what he is doing. And those records can be all kinds of things. Uh, he must keep a record so that we know. That's his testimony, that he is doing what he says he was doing. He says, yeah, I believe. Okay, show me the record of that belief, because that's the fruit of what you're doing. That's showing the evidence of the fruit of what you're doing. So records are very important. Um, when we went back to uh, East to talk to lawyers, um, uh, Herbert Titus, uh, uh, one of them, uh, he said that, that he wanted me to put in, in, in these guidelines, administrative guidelines, that there were no excuse for not keeping records. I said, I can't put that in there there could be an excuse you know there was a fire the, you know something happened uh, and they were lost uh, there could be an excuse but the excuse cannot be I just don't want to keep any records uh, you know and if you don't want to keep records that's fine but let's not pretend to be a congregation of record or a minister of record and don't don't ask for letters of credence or us to bear witness or to serve somebody who just wants to go off and fight their own battle and do their own thing. We're either doing this together or you're not doing it with us. That's all there is to it. Uh, 17, the protector may terminate that minister. We already went through that. 18, the minister of the trust may appeal 
termination to another assigned protector of his church trust and uh, then to his holy church, which means all the members uh, of the congregation as a witness. He can do that. Uh, there always has to be this way of appeal, but appeals do not go on forever. The ministers of the trust may tend his resignation to any, for any reason and preferably with notice to other ministers of the trust of his church altar and to the protector. So, again, it's a matter of record. Somebody can't just say, I quit. You know, we want you to you know, make a record of that so we know that somebody just didn't stop notifying you or uh, disassociate with you without your choice. Uh, number 20, the particular sacred altar and its accounts can no longer be maintained or needs to be maintained, then altar, then the altar is to be dissolved, and the corpus of that altar is to be distributed amongst the stewardships of his church or to the poor at large or consecrated to the beneficiary of the altar himself. It does not go back up to the overseer. And that's one of the purposes of the overseer. Everybody dying. You got to do something. So anyway, that's it. All 20. We didn't even get to the administrative guidelines, but I didn't even think I was going to get through all 20. Uh, they're in the Free Church Report. We'll see you on Talk Show for those of you who have become a part of the Living Network and know what number to call. Uh, until then, may peace be upon your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.